Not long ago, I knocked on someone's door and asked how they were. They answered in four words, eat, sleep, work, repeat. It rang true for me. Our lives have become so samey, the days blurring into one another. It got me thinking, could God be involved in the day-to-day mundane routine of, and hardships of our lives? The story of Ruth and this passage we're going to look at today that concludes our mini-series in Ruth answers and assures us, yes, absolutely God can be involved in the everyday mundaneness of life. But could God not only be involved, but bringing us from feeling empty and feeling despair to feeling a place of being filled and hopeful. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz says, come over here, my friend. Sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. He said to them, the, king, the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to your, uh, our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of the people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you do not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you must also require Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead on the property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel for the redemption and the transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to another. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian and Mahalon. I also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Mahalon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the town gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Epaphra and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Then, there's this then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, and Nimadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. 
Last week, as we took a look further at the story of Ruth, we saw that we are a people who are rescued, protected and under God's care. This week with me, we conclude this time in the book of the Bible, which shows us how God is at work behind the scenes in the midst of pain and tragedy to bring hope and promise of life. And so we pick up the story in Bethlehem against the backdrop of a town recovering from famine, where Ruth, not only a foreigner and a widow, she's poor. So poor, the work that she does is gathering the bits of grain not picked up by the harvesters. And we're going to explore briefly three things. Number one, continuing to love without limits. Number two, passing on God's love and faithfulness. And number three, seeing Jesus in the story and following him. Ruth makes a marriage proposal to Boaz in the chapter we've, uh, we read last week. Boaz, a man of standing and influence in the town, who also happens to be a close relative to Naomi, who is Ruth's mother-in-law. Boaz had been described as a no- man of noble character, who's already shown great generosity to Ruth. Chapter 4 starts at the town gates, with Boaz seeking out one of his relatives, who's actually the closest relative to Naomi, and thus legally the one who is in first position to acquire the land of Naomi and take Ruth as his wife. A cultural practice in Jewish life which assured the future of a family line. Well, let's look at how we're to model how um, to love without limits, a phrase that Rich taught us and showed us two weeks ago when we looked at Ruth chapter 2. See, this relative of Boaz, he's not named. And so we're going to call him the man with no name, shall we? Remarkably, Boaz bumps into him that very morning at the city gates and is able to convene a meeting of elders in Bethlehem when a man with no name chooses to waive his right to acquire the land and marry Ruth. He says, no, thank you, not me. Why does he do so? Well, because it would be too costly. And perhaps in a time of famine, he does the logical thing. But Boaz it is who does the loving thing. The man with no name, in his unwillingness to love without limits, it makes him nameless. In seeking to preserve his own business and inheritance, ironically, he loses his name in the history books, in the Bible record. At this point, Boaz, he's well within his rights. Shrug his shoulders, say sorry. This land, this pair of women, they're someone else's problem. But he has great hesed love of God, which is loyal and steadfast. And Boaz, who's already shown great care to Ruth by providing Ruth uh, by providing work and food for Ruth and Naomi, he continues to love without limits. The man with no name and Orpah, Ruth, Moabite sister-in-law, who stayed in Moab following the death of her husband, are paralleled in this story. Both make reasonable choices in the circumstances, let's be honest, yet are contrasted by the characters of Ruth and Boaz, who love without limits. Ruth towards Naomi and Boaz towards Ruth. So for us, this last fortnight, how have we done um, loving people without limits? Have you got to the end of yourself yet? Have you got to the end of your own love? I did probably 10 minutes into committing to do so. And... We need to consider how we love people, like a well we go from, from which we find hesed love. We can draw from the well, but the the wells of our own lives, they dry up so quickly. But when I'm connecting to God, there is an abundance in my well, as if 
there's a river flowing underground into it. And all I need to do is to remain connected to Jesus. And I find I have water to draw. So like Boaz, let's continue to love without limits by remaining connected to Jesus. Secondly, let's pass on God's love and faithfulness. Just like spinning a rugby ball out to a player outside of us during a rugby game. We're to pass on God's love and faithfulness, just like Naomi does to her grandson. So following the declaration of Boaz and acquiring the land and marrying Ruth, the town elders and all the people who had gathered to watch this scene and witness this story make their own declaration, referring to some of their ancestors in Jewish history, which provide us with another parallel of characters. Ruth is like Tamar, who also was a childless widow and foreigner through whom God displays his graciousness to her and to the world as she gives birth to a son called Perez, who will continue the line of Abraham through which the whole world will be blessed. The scene in Ruth now cuts to the birth of this son, Ruth and Boaz's son, who Naomi, it appears, does a large part of raising. And there's nothing unusual here in the culture of Israel and for grandmothers to be heavily involved in the raising of grandchildren. Yet yeah, it is said Naomi receives a son, clearly not one she's given birth to. The emphasis, though, is that her family line will continue. What is more, the family tree listed at the end of the book, Ruth extends down to David. So this boy, Obed, born to Ruth, extends down to David, the shepherd boy who killed Goliath, who wrote many psalms, and who was one of the most celebrated kings in the Old Testament. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the scenes of Naomi raising Obed, King David's grandfather? What lessons do you reckon she passed on to him? Surely she taught him about love without limits that she'd received from, from Ruth, the boy's mother about God using suffering to form godly character in us, about pouring our hearts out to God in lament, yet continuing to find reason to praise him and put our trust in him, even when we can't see him, God who is fully trustworthy, working behind the scenes. Because long after Naomi's gone, these lessons that she'd learned and passed on, passed on David sings in Psalm 23, he restores my soul, he said. His grandfather, Obed's name, means life or soul. It's the same word David uses in this psalm. So Naomi's life, her soul, had been turned round from the bitterness to, that she faced to joy in God. And she clearly would teach Obed that God restores my soul. So who can you pass on God's love and faithfulness to? Who's in your life? Perhaps think of the people you, you see. Obviously not many people in person, but some perhaps. Some you see like this over screens, uh, friends at work, friends you catch up with on a regular basis. Perhaps think of the people that you can share lessons of life which God taught you. They may be grandchildren, they may be children, they could be nieces and nephews that you might pass on to the children of others with whom you have relationship. What is it you can pass on of God's love and faithfulness? What can you share of God with you? As we bring into focus Naomi's influence, let's be asking for God to use us to pass on what he's teaching us to others. And finally, we're going to end the story by seeing Jesus 
and by following him. These are the women of the town. They celebrate Naomi's, uh, with Naomi the birth of Obed. And as they do, they honour Ruth, of whom they say loves Naomi and who is better to her than seven sons. And tell you, this is high praise in these days. Seven was a number that represented perfection. And to have seven sons was somehow the epitome of family blessing in those days in Israel. See, Ruth, throughout the story, she has shown loyalty and love to Naomi. She has been the key to seeing Naomi, who was trapped by bitterness, liberated by love. Ruth binds her life to Naomi's and provides a way for hope to return through the restoration of her family line. Ruth's love for Naomi foreshadows a love which Jesus shows us, which a 19th century theologian, B.B. Warfield, explains like this. And the quote will come up on the screen. I'm going to read it. About all about Jesus and his love. Christ took no account of self. He was not led into the recesses of his own soul to brood morbidly over his own needs. He was led by his love for others to the world. To forget himself in the needs of others. To sacrifice himself once for all upon the altar of sympathy. Self-sacrifice brought Christ into the world and self-sacrifice will lead us, his followers, not away from people, but into the midst of people. Where people suffer, there we will, will we be to comfort. Where people strive, there we will be to help. Wherever people fail, there will we be to uplift. Wherever people succeed, there will we be to rejoice. Self-sacrifice, a self-sacrifice means not indifference to our times and fellows. It means absorption in them. It means forgetfulness of self in others. <sighs> really powerful quote. The sac sacrificial love of Jesus is echoing all through this story of Ruth. And right at the end, in the family tree of Ruth, we find not an echo, but a boom that Jesus is born in the um, through the line of David, that Jesus who steps out of heaven sacrifices not just self, but heaven to become one of us, a limited, frail human. And in doing so, he shows us what true humanity should look like, how to love people without limits, how to pass on God's love and faithfulness to others. And so as we conclude the story of Ruth, we see God is at work behind the scenes in this story. He is at work in the lives of widows and foreigners and landowners. And he is at work in our lives today. And this morning, or whatever time you're watching this message, he wants to fill you with hope. Where we feel any sense of despair or bitterness. Fill you with hope like he did for Naomi. He wants to pour out his love into your heart so that you can demonstrate love without limits like Ruth and Boaz. And like our Lord Jesus. So our response as we end is to open up our hands to him. To receive his love afresh. To renew our trust in him and obediently take the love of God to others. We receive his love. We renew his, uh, our trust in him. And we obediently take the love of God to others. Let me pray as we finish. Father God, thank you for this story of Ruth. Thank you that as we, we see the, the lives of uh, the characters lived out in their love and faithfulness of one another, it reflects your son Jesus' love 
for the world and we say thank you for that we pray god fill us afresh from this love help us renew our trust in you and send us to share this love with others in jesus name amen